clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown. Captain goes. He'll be chased and he is gone. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. Stop it! Oh, please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane! That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson lock to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? fortune first one of the year there we go and none of us were really that far off i will say i mean i was laughing when we were talking about it during the games where i was like why do i always have to be so overly specific i mean and they lost jacksonville lost either way but like i could have said he throws multiple touchdowns and a win instead of like multiple touchdowns no picks and a win you know what i mean yeah, you certainly do struggle with that. And then I laughed because you showed me your thing where you said over a thousand. Right, and then <laughs> because in my notes, I wrote over 900, and then I was recording. I was like, that's not bold enough, So, which a, they did go over 900. Official simultaneous catch ruling, I'll give you a half point on that one. Thanks. I'll give you a half point on that one. And I don't know if you had to the do same that. Way, the but... same way that you were giving me like one and a half all last year. 
We'll give you a half. <laughs> I would be curious to know what the half was last year. I can't year remember, but I remember all the other joke was like, I said I had an extra one and you were like half. <laughs> but regardless, welcome to Simultaneous Catch, everybody. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name is Josh Lapping. We're excited to be back with you. Week three coming up, a big week three. There's a 11 2-0 teams, which is an NFL record two weeks into the season. So nice. there's a lot of teams doing really well and a lot of teams struggling a little bit. We're here to talk about all of that, recapping some of week two and heading you into week three. And uh, a lot of really, really juicy matchups coming into this week. I think it's going to be a really fun week three. We always think this, though. We are always so excited. Well, not necessarily, but I mean, especially, I think we're so grateful to even have football. Oh, yeah. For a while, we thought it wasn't going to be a thing. So, I mean, even. Like week two Thursday night was Browns at Cincinnati, and we were like, "This is gonna be so exciting!" And like, right. I mean, it was it, a pretty fun. It game. was a fun game, but like, it lived up to hype that normally I feel like it wouldn't get. Oh, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I wouldn't care who is playing week three. That's fair. You like usually be like, I'm just saying like, we are so excited right now, like with these matchups, even if they weren't quote really unquote juicy. Yeah. Whereas in, like, week nine, it might be like, oh. I mean, like, and I don't know how you feel, because I think that sometimes I feel differently, but week three, or week four, Thursday night football is Broncos and the Jets, and we're going to be going somewhere, and I'm a little upset that we're not going to watch the game. <laughs> and, like, the game clearly doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm upset. Go- I'm kind the- of excited to That'll be the game that but- gets Adam Gates fired, because the, new- the interim coach will have an extra couple of days to prepare. Okay. So, that's my is that your friend's fortune? fortune? Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into news and notes right away. I wanted to point this out because I we we both we both know that Russell Wilson is starting off incredibly, uh, making my Russell Wilson MVP prediction look pretty good so far. But not only does Russell lead the league in touchdown passes nine, he only has eleven incompletions in two games, nine touchdowns, eleven incompletions, no turnovers. I mean, it's it's almost. It's almost a joke how good he's been. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a pretty incredible player. I wish I could be uh, donning his jersey to, to root for him. But yeah, so we have, we finally paid up one of our bets. Actually, I paid up most of our bets. There's only one now that we haven't paid up, but it's the dinner one, and that's just hard to do right now. Okay, I'm glad. That that, the, I'm glad you still realize all the other ones are paid up. But so I got Josh his Russell Wilson jersey, and it was accidentally a woman's cut. And now that's not really, like if I want if it would have been a bigger size it probably wouldn't have been an yeah issue. like that, that it, doesn't, it doesn't bother but, me that it's a women's jersey but it's it, just it's just pretty snug so we put it on our we have a, a scarecrow in our living room and his name's Kevin and we put it on him it's actually a pretty fun look it it works uh, really well but so it's I have a good to get idea him, on your part I have to get him his other jersey and uh, it'll probably become before Mike gets me my Josh Allen jersey yeah get it Mike <laughs> yeah we back on topic Russell Wilson is playing certainly at this point in the first two weeks sensational amazing he in my opinion is the front runner for mvp i feel like we talked about that between you and i a couple days ago and i can't remember i feel like you said you didn't think that but this is also he never got he didn't get out to this start last year but in my opinion for the first month two months like he was my mvp so we'll have to see yeah i mean we were halfway sustained we're not going to obviously see two less incompletions than touchdowns right but right so we'll see how sustainable we'll see how that continues to go i think the other the the other 
highly impressive thing about Russ is that in the game against, I was going to say Carolina. Um, got that in your head? Yeah, from before, before we got on the show, I said Carolina instead of the Patriots because I was just thinking Cam Newton. But um, in the game against the Patriots on Sunday night, five touchdowns, all five different receivers. So it really is Russell cooking. You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, DK Metcalf's having an incredible season and like he has started off well. Or yeah. Tyler Lockett in the perfect passer rating, which he's also starting off well too. But it's not that either. It's like, or it's not just Chris Carson. Like we won, he had two touchdowns. But like in this game against the Pats, they he hit every open guy. He was throwing guys open. And that's really the difference in the NFL in terms of quarterback play. And we'll get into that in a second when we get to rate and recall. I have something for that. But just Ooh. the difference in quarterbacks that are great and quarterbacks that are good are a good quarterback can find where the open guy is and hit him like in the, in the hands, hit him in the chest. But a great quarterback can find where the, like w- where the receiver is going to be and put it on that spot. Uh, and then I, th- I Wilson think... Wilson is very good at that. But I think there's another step. I think that there's like, there's good, there's great, and then there's elite. And so Russell is great at that. He, he is a great quarterback at finding where they're going to be and putting it there. But I think the next step in being an elite quarterback is finding where the receiver should go and leading them there. Okay. You know I mean, I think that there's, a, I think that there's the, okay, he's open, I'm going to hit him. And there's a, okay, he's going this way, I'm going to try to put it there where he's going to be. And the... He's gonna have. He's gonna adjust to this, but I'm gonna make him get to this spot because that's where he's gonna be able to make the best play and throwing it to that spot instead of I'm gonna you know land a perfect pass. It's uh if I throw it in this area right here, he's gonna have to move and that's gonna draw him away from that safety or away from that corner and leave him 10, 15 yards to run. And Russell is so good at that. He is so incredible at leading his receiver right where he wants them to be and setting them up. I mean, just think about the David Moore touchdown where he leads him right down the sideline in which he catches him and it's right in the front corner of the end zone where he's not going to get hit by the corner and he has enough space to toe-tap twice, fall out, touchdown. It's yeah. just it's a beautiful – it's so, so much fun to watch him. And then, like, there are smaller plays when you watch Russ. Like, I'm trying to remember like when it was in the game, but there's a one play where he rolled out to his right and, like, stopped and stuttered like he was going to go left and then stopped again and stuttered like he was going to go right. And the linebacker flows right by him, and then he just picks up a first down. It looks so easy. But he's just – he's such a great player, and I love – I love that we have guys like him and Mahomes and Lamar and Watson who can just, like, dominate in the way that they do. And uh, people are saying Pat Mahomes, but I think that I've been pretty stalwart on Russell Wilson, the best quarterback in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind that. It's a small distinction, but, I mean, they're both very up there, <laughs> but uh, I, I, w- I would say that. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so in, my, in our other news and notes section, I just wanted to talk real quick about the Thursday night game that we just watched with Miami and Jacksonville. A yeah. lot of people were like, oh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to win because of the trendy thing. And I picked Jacksonville, too. But Ryan Fitzmagic showed up. He sure Three did. total touchdowns. And not only that, but the defense showed up against an offense that's been really good in the first two weeks. And something that I wanted to talk about, because, again, like, People were so high on Miami coming in through the offseason because we love what Brian Flores and the GM have done in building this team for the future. And not only that, but they, what were they, 5-4, and 5-3 and three to end the season last year? Like, 
they started winning games. And so this year they were like, oh, they're going to win games. And then obviously they lost their first two, but they won this one. And I think this was a big game of just showing that, like, we are headed in the right direction. This team can be good. This team can win games and push teams to the limit this year. But something that I loved on the rushing touchdown from Fitz, the camera cut to Tua, who was, like, laughing and smiling so much. And something that... Because I've watched, uh, and after I watched, I was like, I really like want to know more about Tua. So I watched like he has his GQ interview where he talks about how he spent his first million dollars, okay, and, you know, bits of his documentary and stuff like that, which is called Tua. <laughs> I learned that. Um, <laughs> but something that I really hope for this team and for Tua Tungvaluwa more, you know, I more specifically. I hope that Tua takes a part of Fitz's game that makes him so likable. And that part is Fitz's passion and joy for the game. Yeah. Tua's a very, seems to be so far, you know, that we've seen him in his short career. And obviously we haven't seen him play in the NFL yet, but, you know, in college. He seems to be a more reserved guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he seems to just be kind of like, I'm going to do my job. But, like, looking and seeing how he started to have fun with how much fun Fitz was having. I mean, think of all the cuts that they had of Fitz's facial reaction when there was a big play. And he's running around like he's... A 12-year-old boy in the backyard. It's just so much fun to watch him. And that's why, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the most beloved players in the NFL. Okay. I mean, I, I really can't recall anybody saying they hate Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even Bills fans who got we got upset near the end when he played poorly. Like, none of us hate Fitz. All of us love Fitz. You know what I mean? Say, well, the person watching the game with us hated him. So. Oh, really? Oh, it was just a beard thing. But that's fine. <laughs> uh, that's fine. But again, like, I really, well, something that I want, I really hope that Fitz, because because we all know the jokes, drink every time they say, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Like, we know that. So he's known for being a super intelligent quarterback. But more than anything else, I think Fitz is known for the passion in which he plays the game and how much joy he has. And I hope that that is if, – if Fitz is going to pass anything on to Tua before Tua takes over, which could happen before the season's over or the start of next season, I hope that Tua takes that passion and says, you know what, it's okay – and in fact, it's a good thing for me to show that. And I I hope that for Tua because it's a weird thing to be, you know, hopeful that a division rival's good. But like I am hopeful that the Dolphins are good because I love Tua. I love Fitz. I love B Flow. Like I love these people and I I would love for it to be Miami Buffalo battling for the next ten years. You know what I mean? Okay. And one year you win, one year we win, we go back and forth, whatever it is. But I just I hope that for the kid because I think that too often too many players come into the NFL and they forget why they're doing it. They're just like, oh, I got my paycheck, whatever. But they forget that they most of them started playing football because they loved it and they were passionate about it. And Fitz, at 37 years old, on his eighth or ninth NFL team, is reminding us of that. Okay. So, hi, everyone. My name's Josh. I also host the show. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, there's a couple comments I want to say about that. First of all, I agree with all of that I think that's really well said and I think I also hope he brings and learns some of that passion but I don't see it especially early on in his career just because I don't you said you watched some stuff and I've obviously studied him I mean I was studying him while he was still at Alabama because I was the one that was like yeah tank for Tua even after he got hurt I was saying like I wanted Miami to draft him and whatnot and there's so much of Tua that he's like so open he's like this is work for me like he talks about like 
when he was young, his dad would they'd go out and train, and then he'd come in and take a nap, and then he'd go out and train more. So it's so much of his his, his his work ethic, but also about his his family and his heritage, where he's like, I'm trying to make like my name mean something. And so there's so much of that where I feel like he will run around and smile and have fun, but I think Fitz is just out there being like, I hope that most NFL players run around and think like I'm really lucky to do this, but I think like that's what it looks like to me. So on on the Fitzpatrick note, he also did set a record. I don't know if you read this, but he is the first. I'm pretty positive he's first. For some reason, I feel like he might be the second. To beat an NFL team with like a certain number of teams. With six different teams. I, I couldn't remember what the number was. Yeah, with six different teams. So it was Buffalo, Jacksonville, Tennessee, um, uh, Houston, and did he beat with Cincy or was it with, with the Rams? I don't know, but they did. Okay. he did set that record against the Jags. So congrats, <laughs> Fitzmagic. Um, there is one thing I want to... Uh, there's two quick questions. Not One's a statement that you can respond to if you want to. Okay. Related to that. So, number one, you obviously picked, going back to your friend's fortune, you picked the Jags to upset Tennessee. Yeah. You also picked them against Miami. I did. I'm thinking about, I believe it was yesterday because I was, I was driving in the car where I was listening to uh, Jeff Manns, who is a fantasy footballer guy and uh he and his co-host i can't think of his name right now just went off on gardner talking about how there's so much of gardner that we like because of the uh i can't remember how they put it but it was like the fun aspect of it like what he brings to the games like oh like the mustache it's a brand like we like doing that we like supporting that not because he's really good at football but because he's come and invigorated this and given us something to be like oh yeah that's fun and so I was thinking about this is somebody obviously that I was high on last year I thought it was a fun story maybe I can even be a part of that contributor because I was like this is a guy that broke his hand to do all this and, and there's like legends around that but maybe I mean maybe we've just seen that even while he's done really well to will in the team back into games at, at times, it hasn't always necessarily resulted in good football. And so I wanted to get your take on that real quick. Well, I really I don't have a ton to say, but I think that's something I really want to point out is I think this just shows I think this just shows the bias towards late later round picks. I mean it was a six round pick and his first two games, six touchdowns, two picks, and you know, almost, and they obviously they upset Week One against a Colts team that a lot of people picked to win the division. Yeah, and they were a play away from upsetting the almost AFC champions from last year. And so, obviously, they had a bad showing against Miami on a short week. But I think that if Gardner Minshew were number one overall pick, we'd be giving him so much more. I mean, think about how much leeway Baker Mayfield's been given in his career. Okay, I just think that right now people are looking for reasons to be like, see, he's not the guy they should take Trevor. Whereas I really feel like Gardner Minshew has showed them almost at every turn that like I can win games with this team. You just gotta we just gotta build the team. And I think that what we're gonna see from the Jags this year is, you know, obviously I love the Minshew magic. We both love the story. And obviously I picked them to win a couple of games here. What we're gonna see from Jacksonville this year is inconsistency because they don't have the roster to compete, but they have the passion to compete. You know what I mean? Gardner okay. can fire the Gardner and this staff can fire these players up. And they're going to overcome some teams that they shouldn't beat and win some games. You know what I mean? I think that's just what it's going to be. And it's going to come down to 
who ends up coaching the future. You know what I mean? I don't know if Doug Marone lasts the year. Who's to say that he doesn't get out and they see that the offense performed well and then Jay Gruden gets another shot at a head coaching job. You know what I mean? Like, I... That'd be a mistake. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that, and I, that's really, really going to determine Gardner's future, at least with the Jags. But I don't see. I will say this: Gardner's either going to get a shot next year, whether they draft a quarterback or not in Jacksonville, or some another team will give him a shot. He's played well enough to earn mm, a second shot. I'm curious about that. He's he's played well enough to earn that in my book. I mean, we'll see what happens the rest of the year because he's going to play the rest of the year. They're not going to bench him for anybody. Okay. Uh, so we'll obviously see it. But he had 20 touchdowns to six interceptions last year, which was you know, close to an NFL rookie record in terms of efficiency on touchdown-interception ratios. I think the only one who was more efficient was RG3 when he had 20 to 4 or something like that, his rookie year. Uh, so wildly, wildly efficient. But I think that this is showing a little bit of a bias of a, he's a six-round pick, so let's just get the big guy. That's that's really fascinating. So. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up had to do with a sly little comment that you said during the game on Thursday. It was during a Ryan Fitzpatrick run, and you said, you get mad oh, at Josh no. Allen when he does that. Oh, no. And so I want to say, oh, no. it's not it's not a bad thing. You wanted to corner me on the show. I do want to corner you on the show. It's my job. <laughs> so it's true where I don't hate Fitzpatrick doing that versus Allen, not because of any particular reason. But why I'm more okay with it is because I think Ryan's out there playing with nothing to lose. Right, that's fair. Where I think he's talked back and forth about maybe like this isn't going to be his last year. It's more likely than not going to be his last year with Miami. Probably not. I mean, even if he's not the starter next year, I think he'll still back up to it to be there for him. Oh, I, I don't think he's going to be in Miami. Oh, really? I don't think he's going to be in Miami. Okay. But um, so maybe not even this year. I mean, maybe if the – he. He's going to have more game week one games, in my opinion, than week three where he had as many touchdowns as incompletions, where I think there are going to be more three interception games okay. than, than not. I would like to be proved wrong, but that, I just don't see that happening. So if he – I mean, obviously we don't wish injury on anybody, but if he not. rolls out not. and does that and tries to pick up a down and gets hurt because he gets hit, then he's like, you know, I was really trying and that's okay. This is my hurrah run anyways, where Allen is the franchise face of the Buffalo Bills, where I don't want to see him get hurt, hindered, held back in the future because of something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, were you trying to lead me into the rent review call? <laughs> no, but that's a great segue. Let's do it. Because <laughs> well, I was going to let you go first, but that kind of just sets me up for what I was going to well, do. Well, then you go so, for it. I raved the first two weeks. But it's time for a rant. It's time, it's time for a Rossi rant. Rossi rants get uh, a little passionate. For the newer listeners, because I know we gained a lot of new listeners, this is one of our welcome. Uh, this is one of our staple segments, rant, rave, recall. Every week, we each either have a rant, a rave, or we recall a uh, take that we had at some point, whether it be the beginning of the show's uh, creation or you know last week <laughs> or. 30 seconds before the show that we started. <laughs> but I have a rant this week. All right. And it's not directed at – I don't want you to think it's directed at you. We had to talk about this. Uh, I mean, you were, part, you were part of it for sure, but <laughs> there are multiple people who have done this. And I've also seen people in the media do this. I don't like – 
people who are so negative all the time. And then they're like, I'm just being realistic. And I think that it's just negativity. But here's the thing. Yeah, that's me. So (laughs) it's only been two weeks. We don't know a lot about teams. We know a lot more about some teams than others. Yep. There's plenty of football left to be played. But I get upset when people, not just you, Josh, who tell me to calm down when I get excited about things. And this isn't just a football thing, actually. <laughs> this is just a, a life thing. When, like, I'm an excitable person. I'm a very passionate person. I've always been that way, and I will always be that way. I like that I'm that way. But I don't like when people try to stifle somebody else's fire when they get excited about something. And I'm not going to rant about that specifically. I'm going to you know, tie, tie this into why I should be ranting about how good the Bills are because they are one of the best teams. I, I, I put them in the top ten if I'm doing a top ten list of, oh, NFL, yeah. of NFL teams. For sure. And there are, are multiple, multiple reasons. So one of, the, one of the big reasons right now is obviously Josh Allen. Uh, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. I told you this stat before, but there are only three other quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to throw for over 600 yards, six touchdowns, and zero interceptions to start a season. And the other three were Pat Mahomes two years ago when he was the MVP, Peyton Manning the year that he broke the touchdown passing, uh, like the passing touchdown record, and Tom Brady his 50 touchdown year. Those are the only three other quarterbacks that have ever done it. So regardless of who the competition is and the entire history of the NFL it's only been done four times so to me that says more about the player and the way they're playing than it does the competition uh, because of course there has to be a quarterback at some point in history to have two easier games week but they still didn't do it you know what I mean um, wait what was the stat 600 yards no 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 it's not 600 it's uh, it's a high because Allen has well over 700 yards passing. And the reason that Russell Wilson doesn't fall into the category, because I feel like that's what you were going to bring up. I was actually going to say Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I was going to say, well, the, the two of them don't have as many yard, as much yards as Allen. I know Allen has more yards, yeah. but Aaron does have 660. I was going to say, so. it is, it's, it's, it's a touchdown and a yardage thing without the interceptions. But regardless, um, he's also the first Bills player in the history of our team, which is a long history, one of the original teams, to throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns without interception in a game which he did against the Dolphins. Yeah. Allen, in his first two years, averaged 1.1 touchdowns a game with 184 passing yards at 56% completion percentage. Okay, and obviously it's still it's just two weeks, but now he's averaging three touchdowns a game, double the yardage, 15% completion percent or higher with a 50-point higher passer rating. So I just the, – the, the leaps are obviously not going to stay that astronomical for the whole year. But showing that you can do that improvement against NFL defenses, I mean, the Jets are arguably the worst team in the NFL. That's fine. <laughs> I get that. But the Dolphins are not. And I said that before we played them. I said that after we played them. And I've said that after they beat the Jags too. Like they're not – the worst team in the NFL. I think they're closer to the midway point than they're closer to the bottom point. Okay. Um, so, shoot, I've dropped my notes. Um, so there's that. Okay, and then there's the conversation that it's like, okay, well, they're just they're they're beating on uh, lesser defenses because they're hitting these big balls to. Brown and Diggs, which they are, but they're also at the top of the league with five drives of 12 plays or more. So they're doing it multiple ways. It's not just Allen to Diggs and John super deep crushing teams, which they are doing at times. It's also like 
good play calling, consistent driving, and picking what the defense is going to give you, which is important when you play teams like the Rams, which we are this week, when you're probably not going to give up the 70-yard touchdown to Brown or Diggs. They're going to make you earn every play. Sure. Um, And then another thing that I really love to point out, a lot of people were talking about how they were worried that the whole Diggs thing would ruin the locker room because people have said that he's not a locker room guy just because he wanted out of Minnesota. And... What I loved is I was on mic up, mic'd up and post-game interviews is that they were talking about how in the first quarter, uh, John Brown, uh, they call him Smoke. Uh, <laughs> they, they, I'm only saying that because the part of the quotes that some of the people are saying, they're calling him Smoke. I don't want to be like, who's Smoke? Um, but he like Dayball was like, Smoke was coming up to me and saying, hey, listen, they can't guard Diggs. Keep feeding them. Keep feeding them. And then at halftime, Diggs was like, stop, stop throwing me the ball. Like, Smoke is wide open. Hit him. And then... Obviously, hit him on touchdown later, and then the two of them were like, "Listen, like they can't, they're, they're like really trying to stop us." Bees is open over the middle every time, and then they hit those two big crossing routes to Beasley. Like, I just love the. And again, everything is rose colored when you're winning. You know, when you're losing, that's when you get really get taken the test. I'm not denying that, but I just I I want to be able to be excited about it. And we talked about this off air, so I don't think we're gonna like go at it about it. Like we may have had it just brought it up out of nowhere, but. I'm going to be sad either way when the Bills lose. So I would rather enjoy the good times than try to mute myself during those times. You know what I mean? Because then I just rob myself of possible happiness. And I'm in a really, really dark place in my life right now where I'm trying to grow and change and become a better person. And I've been on that journey for four years now. So when I have these moments of like being excited and being happy... I want to be able to enjoy them, and I don't want to have to turn on the TV and see national media members be like, oh, well, they beat the Jets in Miami. Calm down. You know what I mean? Like, just let Bills fans be excited for a little bit. And I will close out the rant with saying that, truly, 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 all jokes aside, I'm not sending that right at you. (laughs) Obviously, like, like, you have at times said that, but I think it's more often than not you're just worried – for me as my best friend that like you don't want to see me get as down as I can sometimes with the Bills but I just really got so excited after the game on Monday morning a lot of people were praising the Bills and it was fun because I don't like national media doesn't rarely ever talk about the Bills even last year when we had a good year it wasn't until the playoff game and then it was like oh you got beat by Deshaun Watson and then and then not one day later on Tuesday morning, some people were bringing that up and they're like, okay, calm down. It was fun, but they're going to lose this weekend. So longer rant than I thought I was going to do. That is okay. That's a Rossi thing. So now I'm going to be negative Josh, push back a little bit, not stifle your excitement, but just talk about, so I think, I agree. I mean, I, I also think Buffalo is a top 10 team this year i'm i'm really vibing with what they're doing you can't deny anything about josh allen i bought you a josh allen cookie you did Uh, it's pretty awesome so (laughs) um but this makes me think about your your feelings towards like dallas let's stick up for mike for a second last year where like they could rack up points and beat up on bad teams and obviously Uh we haven't got to see that yet we haven't got to see right I mean, Miami is a lot better than some people give them credit for, and I agree with that. And Miami gave them a test, and I feel like we've seen progression from them through three weeks. And I think Miami's got tested a lot of people this year. But, but that's that's not the important part. But So we'll just see where I think we just got to 
going to see what what happens. I'm really excited about this game. So the Rams are still undefeated on the East Coast in 1 o'clock games. We talked about that last yeah. week. They've scored 30-plus in all five of those games under McVay. I think that is going to break this weekend. I don't think that is going to continue. What? That they've scored 30-plus points in all of their 1 o'clock Eastern games. I don't see them scoring 30. I don't know how you project you that see, game to be. You don't see Buffalo or, or L.A.? I don't I don't really see it being a high-scoring affair. Okay. Okay. That's just me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just – I'm, I'm excited to see what they do when they get, quote, higher competition. Right, yeah. And, again, like I said, I – and I've said this to a lot of people too, you know, as excited as I am, I, I don't want people to think I'm an idiot either. Like I have said, this is going to be one of our biggest, we're going to learn a lot this weekend. Yeah. Like we're going to learn a lot Sunday, not about just the Bills, but the Rams too. We're going to learn a lot about both these teams. And Buffalo has a nasty stretch coming up here where we have, we're at home for the Rams, but then the following week we go to Las Vegas and then we go to Tennessee and then we have, um, Oh no no so then and then and then it's the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football coming into Buffalo. So like the next 3 games are going to teach us or including the Rams the next 4 games are going to teach us almost everything we need to know about the Bills this year in my opinion. And so you know what I mean? we don't so need like, to keep talking about this too long yeah. but I'm going to ask you real quick. I mean yeah. like obviously you're like I want them to go 4 and 0 in that stretch but I don't see that happening. we I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening either. Yeah. So I'm doing my my realistic thing happen. here. I'm see, I real quick without giving it much thought. Right. I see a two and two. Okay, and and I and you're okay with that? Are you super bummed at that point? I, I I don't think I'd be bummed. I mean, that put us at four and two. That's a good spot. And I don't think that New England's going to be at that point because I'm really just concerned about winning the division. Okay. Um, I will say this: I'll be bummed if it's two and two. And we crushed the Raiders and the Titans, but we got walloped by the Rams and the Chiefs. Okay. That then I'll be upset. Okay. If we lose yeah. to the Chiefs, lose to the Chiefs, so what? It's the Chiefs. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I want us to lose to the Chiefs in the fourth quarter when we were battling. I don't want to. I don't want to lose by fourteen or more points. Sure. Sure. So. All right. Moving on. I also have a rant because I'm the negative Ooh, one. Ooh, here we go. So I'm going to rant. I'm a little upset. I want to preface this by saying I understand why this happened. But I'm upset that the 49ers complained about the field at MetLife. I understand that the 49ers took one of the biggest beatings by a team on the injury front that I've, I've ever seen in my football history, but maybe ever. So many players went down. So many players went down with severe, significant injuries. But I hate to go out and blame the field. Sometimes there's just... There's bad luck that goes along with it. Eric Armstead came out after the game and said, fix the trash MetLife turf. Uh, I, I don't like that. And if, if that, at that point, if that's what's going on, that's what's bothering you, it's just a turf versus natural field kind of thing. It had nothing to do with the actual field itself. So like that, that's just an issue with NFL stadiums. That has nothing to do with MetLife. Right. Uh, Jordan Reed came out and said the – so on the 49ers said he didn't notice anything. Everything was fine about the field. Mm-hmm. Obviously, New York and Pittsburgh played there week one. Nothing severe happened there. So I just don't like coming out and trying to find – I don't even know if you qualify that as an excuse, 
but a reasoning behind it. I mean, it was just a really, really unfortunate series of events, in my opinion. And yeah. they just got hit. Yeah. And I understand, like, when you see your players go down as a coach or your teammates as players go down, you're going to be really, really angry and you're going to say things. But I just feel like we don't need that in the game. Yeah. I just feel like we don't need to look for things and, and, and trash in an NFL stadium that is somebody's home. Yeah, and I I think too often in the world we are all we all look for reasons to blame something other than you know what I mean than what something really is, whether it's our own faults or I'm not saying it's the Fortnite's faults that they got injured. Uh, but right. like we're, we're we're always looking to sh- to shift blame somewhere else to help us feel better. And it sucks what happened, but it did happen and yeah, they just said it was it was really sticky. I mean, it was it was played on in week one, so it wasn't brand new. Right. Uh, but it just it's going to be very very fascinating to see. I think I think a big reason that the story is blown up the way it has is just because they're back this week. They're back on the turf again tomorrow. So, but the NFL uh, and and different officials have come out. They've inspected it. They're like, this is fine. This is. This is not a hazard for the players. Buffalo did that uh, road trip last year, too, in the first three weeks. We did MetLife and MetLife. I mean, it makes sense, especially for somebody out west. Yeah, to be able to just do that twice. Yeah. So, but that leads us to just some of the injuries. I don't even have all of them, but from really, really big-name players, I obviously talked about the decimation of the 49ers, uh, but we also saw players like Saquon Barkley go out with a torn ACL. He's out for the season. Christian McCaffrey had a high ankle sprain, so he's now on IR, which is obviously different this year. It's only a three-week designation, so he can return in, in less than a month. But still, that's extremely significant for the Carolina Panthers. Nick Bosa for the 49ers, torn ACL. Solomon Thomas, 49ers, ACL. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't even know what his injury is. They were talking about him possibly playing, but he's not. Nick Mullins is playing. Ankle. So Mostert got hurt. Mostert got hurt. So again, Tennant Coleman hurt his knee. Um, George Kittle's out still. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, like the, Super Bowl hangover. Like half their team is gone, and you know, Sherm's they, out. They'll probably find a way to win against the I Giants. I think they're going to beat the but Giants. I will not bat an eye if they don't. I mean, obviously, it'd be different if Saquon wasn't out also for the season. Sure, but I won't bat an eye if they lose. Oh yeah, absolutely not at this point. I mean, Daniel Jones versus Nick Mullins, I would definitely take right. Daniel Jones. And also, but I will say this: this ties into the you said we're just excited for football. It's week three. Like, if that were the only game on, you bet I would still clear my <laughs> still clear my schedule to watch it. So that was just there's there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, going back to my friend's fortune, Julio Jones was majorly hampered by a hamstring injury. Devontae Adams, another player that I obviously love, he's Although hurt I, with a hamstring injury. I, I laughed that we joked about the Randy Bullock missed kick week one, and it's like, oh, my leg! And it's like, when did Julio t- tear his hamstring? After he dropped the touchdown or before he dropped the touchdown? <laughs> yeah, but Randy Bullock came out and played A-OK on week two. He did play OK. Whatever. <laughs> I would yeah, really man, like to see crazy. this. No, that's not an important thing to say. What? I was going to say, I want to see like the synchronization. I want to see like a clip of where the ball's traveling versus like the reaction to the injury. Because <laughs> it just felt so weird. I know. It felt so strange. I know. I, he didn't fake it. but I know. But regardless, you're right. It's been insane, the amount of injuries. And it was so funny because – funny is the wrong word. It was so 
you know, interesting because week one, I felt like there really weren't a ton of injuries. Like, I, I was surprised that, like, everybody was pretty healthy and maybe everybody was just sort of tentative coming out. Uh, and then, wow, all of a sudden, it was just like, flip the switch. There were so many injuries right off the bat. And, you know, hopefully a lot of these people can come back. But, like, when was the last time more than four guys got designated out for the season in the same weekend? You know what I mean? Yep. And, and, and huge guys, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley. I mean, there were guys right away, it's like, you're done for the season. And we're not talking about Michael Thomas, who is out, who's going to miss another week. You know, Kenny Galladay, who hasn't even played at all this season. Like, there's so many huge name players that have been injured. And it's a weird year where we're worried about COVID-19 and we're worried about that impacting players. And we'll talk about it in a little bit about, you know, the first player did test positive. So it's just, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to put this in the universe and knock on wood. I don't expect it to like halt anything or stop the season, but wow, it does, you know, catch you by sh- surprise real quick. Like, wow, you know? Sure. Absolutely. And I don't think injuries would be a reason that would ever happen. Right. Because while we haven't seen something like of this significance with these named players, mm-hmm. this is something that happens every year. Right. There always are injuries. injuries. And I feel like we're always like, oh my gosh, like how did this happen? What are they going to do? But teams right. figure it out. Maybe yeah. they don't compare to what they were prior to the player, but right. teams keep playing and they just do that. I, I just, mean, a lot of people, a lot of people... Maybe they were delusional New York fans, but a lot of people thought maybe the Giants could surprise people this year. So I'm excited to see what the Giants do. We got to see that uh, progression from Jones. Yes, for be sure. Like, I'm the guy, not not Barkley. For sure. So he has an opportunity now. <laughs> Although his stats without Barkley, I feel like I'm going to talk about that later. Okay, I am. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned the first COVID positive player. It's AJ Terrell, rookie corner for the Atlanta Falcons. He had tested positive. Uh, he has been unactivated. I wanted to make sure I, I was going to say inactivated. That didn't. He's been unactivated. He is not going to play on Sunday. That's already, well, now it's Saturday, but he's not going to play. Derek Abrams, Delrick Abrams, excuse me, and Tyler Hall have been promoted from the practice squad. They're two corners. So they're this actually, I mean, obviously we are not like, everybody get COVID. We don't want that. But this actually isn't, a severely big deal at the moment. Everyone, I don't know if you know this, and probably general people don't know this. Everyone that goes into an NFL organization has to wear like one of those like kind of tracker things, so they can see where an infected player has spent their time. They can see if there have been other players around them for within six to, feet for yeah. within that fifteen minute time frame window. Right. So tracking isn't necessarily going to be an issue so hopefully they'll be able to figure it out and make sure that people are safe and whatnot and the risk of contamination and whatnot so at this moment there is no other news on that front so hopefully no one else with the atlanta falcons has to deal with it and Mm -hmm. we wish terrell a speedy recovery and to get back on the field he's a good player so yeah and i just want to say real quick before we move on because i don't think we need to dwell on this topic for too long but it's almost encouraging that there was somebody to test positive because for a while it was like it's too quiet. You know what I mean? Sure. For a while there was like, and even when it was like so, like even during the preseason or the uh, you know the camp when it was like all these people from New York tested positive, but they were all false. They were still all false positives. Okay. So I mean, I just feel like it's been really like we're in a horror movie. And it's like we haven't seen the killer in a half hour. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah. No, but I think you're right. It is. It's a good thing to know that. 
it's not like some kind of conspiracy like oh like these players have right. it and the NFL is just saying right. no like right. it is good to see yeah. that they're they're being thorough with it and, it, and somebody's it's, come back and they've been very swift yeah. and prompt with it and it's been important just to close it out it's it's important to have somebody test positive and show everybody that the system works in quarantining them and make sure it doesn't spread so that we can be more confident and ensured that we're going to have football the whole year yeah so so let's move on. Let's talk about a couple games for this upcoming week. Uh, we will go into a little bit of no huddle here okay? because we just are. So the Giants at the 49ers, we are talking about it. Here's a couple uh, little fun facts for you. So I was talking about Daniel Jones stepping up and being the guy without Saquon Barkley. Well, his rookie year when he didn't have Barkley, that didn't work out as well. When Jones has played without Barkley, he has l- over less than 50 yards per game and averages 40 quarterback a 40 point quarterback rating less so having him out there is a pretty big deal for daniel jones i feel like we need to see him take the step to show he can be effective without him you said over less than 50 yards per no, game no he has he's 50 yards less per game yes, or more yes okay that's what you okay and a 40 point yeah, quarterback i mean obviously rating. we talk about you know, the analytics guys say running backs don't matter and it's that's crazy. Running backs do matter. It's just that they're easier to find. I will say. I think I've always. I, I feel like that's where I've landed. Is that running backs obviously matter? It's an important position, but it's just easier to find good ones than these other positions. Okay. Uh, but someone like Saquon Barkley absolutely affects the game. There, you, you'd be crazy to tell me that it, that they don't. And we'll see whether Wayne Gallman or Deion Lewis can step up. But you know, if you were hanging on to a thread, about uh, what about the Giants, Devonta Freeman? Yeah, I'm not really that interested in Devontae Freeman. I could be wrong for sure, but I've been burned by him too many years in a row in fantasy, so. Nah, he's going to be real good. I'm confident. Maybe not this week. It's, Maybe it's not, too quick a turnaround. But yeah. Which means he's going to run really, really well whenever I feel like somebody shouldn't do something. I don't know. You got Mike Evans and uh, <laughs> okay. fantasy fanatic. <laughs> it's not my fault that your wide receiver caught two passes. Wait until I say, I was going to say a random name, but like you really wouldn't have known them and you would have been like, so some hope on the Giants front though is that in the Kyle Shanahan era they are 4-20 and without Jimmy Garoppolo wow so maybe some hope for for the G-men we'll put 10 bucks on that game now so we'll see what happens with that one let's move on to the Cowboys Seahawks which obviously the Cowboys overcame that crazy uh, deficit and that is now the Atlanta thing to have done that again under Dan Quinn so, but here, here's some things on on this one. Dak is one and three following a 400 yard passing game. That's an interesting stat. And I believe it's either 260 or 280. I didn't write this one down. That's his average yardage per game following one of those a 400 yard. Interesting. So Russ is two and zero oh in the regular season against the Cowboys. Obviously, they lost the playoff they lost game. the playoff game, but two and zero oh in the regular season versus Dak. So. Do you see one of those two things breaking? One of those little trends there, or how do you? What do you? What do you think about this game? First of all, let's let's rewind and talk about the 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 onside kick it's that never was. It's unbelievable. Uh, I can't even. We were gonna collapse. have we were gonna have Mike on, but I said that I'd rather talk about them after the Seattle game because I feel like. I want to be confident in my opinion on them. Okay. And I'm not yet until I see them play a team like Seattle. But Jesus, crow, what in the world? <laughs> I so 
it was going to be my warden defense to defend Atlanta, and especially after seeing how much the Saints struggled oh, yeah, on Monday night and the Carolina being with the RNC and Tampa Bay struggle, like I'm still very confident in Atlanta winning the division because the the Ooh. other three the other te- the other three teams instill zero confidence in me. At least I know that Atlanta is always going to show up on offense. The other three teams, I'm not even sure about that. Okay. I think that their defense can come along. You know what I mean? But regardless, like. Woof, Dan Quinn. You're trying to coach for your life and your job here and say, look, I should be the coach, and you don't remind your players they can touch the football? He said that they knew that. So what are they doing? I believe in theory with how Zerline, I think, I mean, he is their kicker. I don't know if he was the one that kicked the onside kick ball. I can't remember. With how it was it was a watermelon ball, so right. it wasn't like placed on a tee. With how it spins, players, yeah. it's more likely that it can lodge out right. with that. So I feel like Atlanta They were just was, afraid to jump on it? Yeah. Which I still, like, I agree. <laughs> I it's better to it. try to give yourself Absolutely. a chance instead Absolutely. of just being like, well, here we go. Yeah, and it's like, what are we hoping it was going to roll out of bounds? There's four Cowboys waiting for it yeah, before so, it gets there. But that, that was the explanation. But regardless, like I said, I think that Atlanta will figure out a way to win this week and they'll be okay. And then... We'll see what, what what happens with Dallas. This is this is one this. People are gonna say that it's like the Chiefs and the Ravens are the most important game. This is the most important game to me because I need to see. I need to see the Cowboys Seahawks. Yep, okay. I need to see the Dak. For a second, I was like the Atlanta game. I need to see the Dak truthers and how they react to how Dak plays this game, and I need to see if Russell Wilson is just gonna continue his trend because. And I need to see which defense is going to show me any semblance of life. I know that in week one. Right. I feel like that's really hard because of that. Because I feel like Dak's going to have a good game. Seattle's yeah. defense is has been okay. Suspect. It's been suspect. But it has been. Yeah. So I feel and, like he's going to perform well. But I'm also interested because of they had a pretty nice stand on the goal line to win the game against New England. I was going to say Carolina again. <laughs> New England. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I just – I want to see uh, – I want to see – whether even if it's a small pulse from one of these defenses, and I want to see which quarterback really shows up. Okay, so let's talk about the Sunday night game. Green Bay travels down to New Orleans. Uh, I'm very excited about this game. It should be fun. So how about this stat? This one was pretty crazy to me. The Saints haven't allowed a 100 yard rusher. How many games do you think it is? Uh, okay, um, they didn't do it at all last year, I don't think. So I'm gonna say 17. 40. Are you, it's been 40 jo- games. Are you kidding? Oh my god. Since they've allowed a 100-yard rusher. I really want to believe... know I really want to know what went through your mind when I started to try to like figure that out. I was like I was like really kind of impressed. Well, I mean, I knew they didn't do it last year, but I so they've done it for almost 3 straight years. The la- the highest closest to 100, right, is in the high 80s. So obviously you're having a force of Aaron Jones. You just came out and yeah, performed I mean, very Aaron well Jones, against the Detroit Lions. We were uh, listening so. to that one fantasy show, and they said if you did a redraft right now, who would be the first pick? And, and half of them were like, Aaron Jones, right? I I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with that. I didn't draft him at all. So Listen, I've been saying free Aaron Jones since the day he was drafted. So this is just vindication for me. Since the day he was drafted? Yes. Well, listen, he was a he was a late-round draft pick the year that he was a rookie in fantasy football. And I kept saying he was going to be a guy. And finally, every time they've given him the ball, he's produced. So we'll see what happens because that defense doesn't look that great. Pretty cool guy. What's well, interesting because they looked sunglasses. good. Sunglasses. Yeah, it looked pretty. Uh, yeah, the sunglasses are pretty funny. Uh, it's like the Saints defense looked good in stretches against Tampa Bay week one. And then last week it was like they just couldn't stop anything. 
Yeah, so there are a lot of storylines. I mean, we don't have to talk about it too, too long. For sure. But I, and as much as we've loved Drew Brees, it's it's made me a little anxious watching these first two weeks. And we've obviously talked about a two-week sample size. You can't put too much into it. But I don't want to see Drew Brees have one of those Peyton-esque years where it's like, oh, okay. That's the comp right now. That's the comp is that he's just going to And obviously his number one. Team. His number one wide receiver has been hampered yeah. uh, for, for most of the season. But, yeah, so I, I'm i obviously excited to watch this game. Right. But I definitely – I would I would prefer Green Bay to lose Breeze, instead of seeing Breeze play so poorly. Breeze versus Rodgers is 2-2 two and two in their careers right now against each other. So I feel like most of the time – the last time they played, I think, was in the Superdome. The last but that time makes they, me feel the like they time, should have been in Lambeau. The last time they played, New Orleans handled – yeah, I remember well. yeah. it being like, oh, man. Yeah. But that's why I'm also I'm not comfortable with the game. Like you're, It'll be fun. It will be fun. So let's go and uh, wrap up talking about – let's go to the Monday night game where you, you mentioned some people saying this is the most important game of the week, mm-hmm. the Chiefs and Ravens. So here's some things. Uh, Mahomes is 9-0 and in September as a starter. He has 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions. Jackson is 4 and 0 in primetime games with 12 touchdowns to zero interceptions. Mm-hmm. I feel like you don't seem uber interested in this, but I feel like this is going to be a really 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 exciting game. <laughs> it's not that I'm not super interested, it's just that when was like how often do we get a game that's supposed to be touted as like the game of the year and it turns out okay, the last one I can remember is the Chiefs Rams one for that one Monday night when it really lived up, but like I can't remember another time where it was like, this is going to be the game of the year. And it really turned out to be the game of the year. I hope it does because it has everything that you want in two of the, some people say the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's certainly top five to both of them, if not top two, actually, uh, to the best coaches, to the best, uh, better defenses. You know, the Chiefs are actually a way better defense than people think that they are. Than yeah, they, they are. They, yeah. Uh, two of the best run games in the NFL. I mean, it's just everything that you would want in a game on Monday night in primetime. So, like, I hope it lives up to that. And I'm excited to watch it for sure. But, like, I said that I wouldn't be shocked if, if Baltimore goes 16-0. and And maybe I'm overconfident. But I'm not going to be shocked if they win by two possessions in this game. Okay. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in, like, a... Dude, they're so much better. You know what I mean? I just, like, I just have this level of belief in Baltimore that, that I don't... I don't see anybody beating that. <laughs> so I, I'll take a second to be the – I don't want to say overly excited because I feel like that's insulting to what you talked about. No, earlier. it's okay. I mean, I'll take I'm a second excited. to be the overly excited one though because I feel like yeah. this game has all the ingredients yeah. to do that. It certainly does. I feel like I agree with you talking about the Kansas City Rams game where right. like that was the game of the year because it, they scored over 100 points. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, it was so, so exciting. It was but it was so exciting. exciting. But this is where I, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's going to be a no, 50 to 50. No, I don't think so 50. either. But I don't think there's – in my opinion, there's not going to be anything in this game that is – inadequate that's where sometimes games bother me as like 
is this like good defense or it's the whole thing well, we talked about is this good defense or bad offense but like both yeah. of these defenses i feel like when they stop an offense it's gonna be because they made a well, really great play and we talk about that monday night game afterwards we talk about how many defensive plays were so important in that game we talk about we and call i can them, see we call that i think this is going to be that kind of thing <laughs> like so Sam, samson nabukum aka epipen, EpiPen. <laughs> Never got his jersey. <laughs> Every pen, yeah. So I just feel like this is going to be. It's not going to be. Oh, they're they're in fourth and long because Mahomes couldn't right complete it or Jackson can't run or or, or something like that. Both like teams are going to have to fight for everything. Both teams get. are going to fight, and that includes the defense. And I see them these teams doing that. So maybe it's not going to be a high scoring affair, but I feel like that's going to result in really exciting. I hope football. so. I hope so. And I really feel like it lives up to what you talk about. Like, at any given play, this could be that breakaway thing. Yeah. Both of these offenses are that. that's my favorite that. thing about football. So it could be one broken tackle, and then they're gone. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really just going to come down to something like that. And I'm really excited. So should be fun. That uh, takes us. It's a really fun weekend. Like I said, a lot of juicy matchups. Yeah, there really are. So we can go to Fantasy Fanatics. Do you want to do that before Pals Picks? Oh, I don't remember the order. We normally do Pals Picks and then Fanatics and then... Oh, okay. Let's go to Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. So We both had good weeks. Josh, though, could have had a better week. It should have had a better week. <laughs> but it's okay. We oh, are... This actually is a tidbit that I was, I was supposed to say when we were oh. talking about that game. So... Oops. Before that, first of all, for those of you who didn't listen, the one game Josh got wrong was the Atlanta-Dallas game in which he picked Atlanta. So before that game, teams that had a 20-point lead with zero turnovers were 440 and zero. Now it's 440 and one. 440 times a team had a 20-point lead with no turnovers. Not once did they lose. Gotta love that. Unbelievable. So that brings uh, through two weeks of the NFL. Uh, Josh is five and one. Adam is four and two. Listen, so we're we're hot this year. We're doing pretty well. <laughs> we're doing pretty well. It's a tight game so far. So let's get on to week three. Um, I picked the game, so I will throw them over to you first. Okay. We did not talk about this prior. So I thought we set them up to each other. Well, we did set them up, but sometimes like. Last week, we talked about the Browns-Bengals game prior. Oh, okay. Got you. Got you. So, first one is that Rams at Bills game. I'm very – I feel like we kind of talked about it, what to expect from it. Uh, and you talked to me off the air, and you said you think this is going to come down to a field goal. I do. And and I, I don't have to talk about it too much because we did talk a little bit about it earlier. But, again, I just said, it's like, this is, this is going to be a great game. I imagine that my – Pulse will be racing the whole time. And I said, as soon as the Bills schedule came out, I said we would start 5-0 and and then lose to the Chiefs on Thursday night, that that would be our first loss. And I'm going to stick with that. I'm fully confident in it. I think that – I think this is going to be a game where both teams are tested to their full ability. They're both going to have to play one of their best games. Uh, Zach Moss is out for this game, which is a big one. But I think that just, that I think that it's really just going to make for a big Devin Singletary game in this game because, you know, the Rams have given up a little bit on the ground to some running backs the first couple of weeks, and I think that vice versa. On the other side of the ball, Buffalo has given a, a, some to running backs, but mostly tight ends, and that was because Edmonds and Milano were both out. Milano is going to play 
game time decision for Tremaine Edmonds. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, but that is going to matter a lot for Tyler Higby or not, who had three touchdowns obviously last week. So we'll see what happens. But I'm even going to give a prediction. Like I really think this, I, I'm saying Ooh, I'm, write this down. I'm saying this game is going to be 27-24 Buffalo. It's going to be tied at 24 into the fourth quarter, and Allen's going to have to lead the drive. Okay, for that uh, rookie kicker. Tyler Bass. It's going to be a short one, though. It's okay. not going to be. It's not going to be like. It's not going to be over fifty. It's going to be under fifty. Okay. Well, is that your consideration <laughs> of a short one? If you're under, anything other if you're than under, if fifty plus is long. If it's under fifty and you miss, you shouldn't have a job in the NFL. Wow. I'm just kidding. Bold. Okay. <laughs> Game two: Texans at the Steelers. So the underwhelming Texans right now go and take on. A Pittsburgh team that's not looked anywhere near perfect, but they are sitting at 2-0. I wonder if you would have given me this game if I hadn't made the comment that I did earlier in the week where I said, this is the one game the whole week that I don't know how to pick at all. <laughs> and then, like, five, I feel like I probably still would. I was going to say five minutes later, you were like, Texans-Steelers. Uh, I went back and forth on this, and I'm picking the Texans. Ooh, uh, I didn't expect that. It's more of a – it's less of a – it's less of a, the Steelers can't beat the Texans, and it's more of a, I refuse to believe, pardon me, I refuse to believe that they go 0-3. I refuse to believe that Bill O'Brien does not figure out a way to get them up for this game and say, we cannot let this happen. We cannot go 0-3. Uh, statistically, 0-3 teams are, like, abysmal at making the playoffs, although the last team to do it was the Houston Texans two years ago. So we'll see what happens with this, but I... I refuse to believe that they'll go down three straight. Okay. They've had a – it's a horribly tough schedule, one of the toughest – like I would I would argue that they've had the hardest first three games in the NFL. Yeah, so, that's very, very, very possible. So they uh, – But it's fun for me yeah. as – I mean, I, I love Deshaun, but I'm I, yeah. one of the like biggest anti-Texan fans right now. Just I'm <laughs> just trying to get Miami right. that pick. No, I'm not oh, – oh, because, oh, because you want I want that, Miami uh, to have the high two picks, so <laughs> – and then I feel like you've kind of already answered this one by saying the Ravens are going to go sixteen and zero, but Chiefs at Ravens. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens, and I'm pretty. I'm I, I, I'm not like uh, cocky confident in them, but I'm pretty confident in that one. I think that it's going to be a so great these game. Teams have I matched up it, with these yeah. quarterbacks, and Mahomes has has gone to done before. Yeah, and I and I think that you know the first time that they matched up, it was in Lamar's rookie year and he was still, you know, learning the game and their offense still wasn't fully towards him. And then last year, obviously they beat him early on in the season. Uh, it was a very close game. Lamar and then made a push at the end to kind of get back into it and, and had a chance to win, just couldn't finish it off. Uh, I just, I think that the Ravens had made more additions and that they're just a more complete team at this time. And I don't think that you can undervalue or undersell the, You've beaten us twice. We're not letting it happen again. Factor with a John Harbaugh team. So okay. Well, I will throw out this. It's not necessarily a tidbit, but after seeing the fashion in which the Chiefs won last this last week mm-hmm. with Butker almost career long <laughs> kick three times in a three row. Three times in a row. <laughs> uh, I might have to say, as much as I love the guy, move over Justin Tucker. It'd be. It'd, it'd, I mean. <laughs> It's not the battle of the two best quarterbacks in the league. It's definitely the battle, it's the of, battle of the two best kickers. Absolutely is. And I feel like that really might be what it could come down <laughs> Monday to. Monday night football. 
All right. So Adam took the Bills over the Rams. He took the Texans over the Steelers and the Ravens on Monday night over the Chiefs. I don't remember who I gave you. So you do. Just turn the iPad. Oh, you don't. No, I don't remember. Oh, okay. All right. So, so I just tried to pick. See what happens is when the person who gets to pick first always picks the three best games. It's like you got to pick sneaky ones to try to trip the other person up. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about Pat's picks. So the very first one is I'm going to go Raiders at Pats. I decided that this is the Pats are going to be one of the teams that I test you with most of the season in Pat's picks because you said you were so confident in them. Okay, and obviously like. First two weeks, you've been more right than I have been about what they would look like. Say, you're right. You've given me the pats every week. I have. Wow. So I don't know if I'm going to do it every week, but <laughs> this is a good matchup. And I also gave it to you because I feel like we're going to differ on the pick. So Raiders traveling to New England to face the Pats. Yeah, I'm going to pretty confidently take the Patriots. Okay. Henry Ruggs is not going to play, which I he think is, is a huge factor for the Raiders. I think having that piece out there. Uh, could definitely serve as, as as a distraction for Stefan Gilmore, who had a really rough week two against DK Metcalf, but now he isn't going to be worrying about that breakaway speed. He's going to be able to focus on somebody else. I think that's going to free up the defense to focus on other pieces. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be on Darren Waller, but they're, they're sneaky under flying Jacobs and, uh, and oh my gosh, uh, I don't know who you're asking. I'm trying about. to talk about the tight end that I just Waller. Oh, Darren Waller. They're I was like, both, you just said his name. <laughs> they're both not confirmed to play at this point. They're still. I think they'll both play. I think they're both going to play yeah. too. But the fact that they're just showing up is it's a little bit sneaky yeah. on the injury report. I think they'll both play as well. But I just see what I saw. I, I picked Seattle last week to beat the Pats. But what I saw from the Pats gave me even more confidence in what I said about them making the playoffs as a wild card team. So I really feel confident in that. I felt that can pass the ball so much better than I thought he was going to. I remember you doing like your Sunday night seven or whatever the heck it's called. And you said Cam was going to throw for X amount of yards. And I was like, no, he's not going to throw that for that much. And I think he threw more. He did. I said it was, I said it was going to be like 275 and he threw for well over 300. It was almost 400. So I was really impressed with that. And it gives me confidence picking the Pats in this game. Yeah. I think this is another sneaky, great game this, this year. I mean, obviously that nobody, not honestly nobody. I mean, I did pick the Raiders to beat the Saints in an upset, but I don't think I expected it to be as like dominant as they were against that defense. So we'll see what happens when they face the Pats, who are better than the Saints in defense. Uh, maybe not quite as good as people tout them to be in this year, but we'll see. Uh, Panthers at Chargers. It was announced Justin Herbert's making his Justin second Justin Herbert, start. start number two. Sorry. And it was a yeah. – Tarad about. Yeah, sorry, Tarad. Horrible. I mean, I, I – I mean, uh, here's the thing. That – that doctor probably lost their job. Which is pretty awful. It, but still. I, I get it. Like, that's a horrible, really egregious error. Can't do that. I just hope that, like, they're not totally. Blackballed forever. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But regardless, we're not here to talk about it. We're here to talk about how great Justin Herbert looked against the defending Super Bowl champs. He looked very good. Although I will say, before I let you talk about this game, kind of his fault they lost. And we, talk, we talked about it in overtime where he had that rollout to the left. And he threw it across his body down the middle of the field for the pick that that gave the Chiefs the opportunity to go down and win. Where he could have just it looked like he could have just picked up the first down and kept the drive going. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in this game. But I am going with those Herbert led Chargers. Uh, I feel like you go from going a week ago to a game that you're expecting to hold a clipboard and being like, hey, you got to go play the defending champs, and you play really, really darn well for like 55 minutes so well to the fact that you were in a position to win and and knock them off 
uh, to now they've had a full week of being like, you're the guy. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to install these these plans. This is, this is how we see the game script going, which is obviously can get flipped around very, very quick. But I think this is going to be a great defense for him to do it against. You were talking about how Kansas City's defense isn't necessarily a pushover defense. I know they were talked about that way at the beginning of the year last year, but it certainly hasn't been this year. The Carolina Panthers are a defense that I think you can push around a little bit. I expect really big things from Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly. And if they can get going, that's going to open up even more for Herbert. And I feel like they, he showed a really good rapport with Allen last week, who I think is going to be one of the biggest benefactories of having Herbert, and I see it getting done. I just don't see the Panthers coming off losing a player like CMC. Sure, Mike Davis looked good in his short spell, and I think he's going to perform well, but I just don't see them firing on, on all cylinders yeah. when losing a talent like that yeah. and such a key cog. Mm-hmm. And I think Melvin Ingram is not going to play, but... I still think that the Chargers' defense is better than than people give themselves credit for. Yeah, and uh, the offense certainly looked like there was a lot of life breathed into it by the rookie. So we'll see what happens for yeah. sure. And here's the other trip up team for you because we're so different on the Browns this year on what we think their outcomes are in our bet. This is another team that's going to pop up for you a lot during pass picks, and probably for me during pass picks. I'm ready. So uh, the Cleveland Browns hosting, hosting, excuse me, the upstart Washington football team, who won Week One in an upset fashion against the Eagles, and uh, didn't really show up too well against the Cardinals. So would the real Washington football team please stand up? Yeah, week three. I'm going to pick the Washington football team. And that's not because I'm against the Browns. How many times did we walk through the Browns' schedule during this argument, which sparked the the bet, and I right. said the Browns were going to beat Washington. Yeah. But I'm so much more – I have so much more hope in the Washington team I mean, since I do seeing too. them I play, do. especially their week one performance. And sure, last week was, was not great, especially on the offensive side, but – Let's not take away anything from the Arizona Cardinals, which is a team that you've touted as a playoff team. And Kyler right now has mm-hmm. certainly, in my opinion, worked his way into the MVP conversation just with what he's doing on the field. If you're making a top five, I'd put him in there. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that I feel like warrants. I'm not surprised that Washington lost against this team. But this is a defensive front where I feel like they're going to be able to put pressure on the Browns. And if they can't get their run game going, I think that's going to really hurt Obviously, the Thursday night game when they beat the Cincinnati Bengals, they just ran wild, ran wild deservingly. They have two wonderful backs, but there were so many missed tackles where the first guy hit Chubb after three yards. Chubb shakes him off, so he gains more than that. This guy hits him at seven yards. He shakes Mm -hmm. that, and so now you're just getting first-yard runs on on your first-and-ten carry. And so I don't think that this defense is going to do that. Not only their defensive front, but uh, uh, John Bostic has been playing really well in the middle, I think, because of that defensive line. And I feel like he's a hard-hitting middle linebacker that can do well against a, a running game like this. Maybe we'll see what Hunt does in the passing game. I think he could hurt them there. But I just really am instilled by that, and I feel like we went back and forth a little bit about the effect of a good running game on play action, and I feel like there aren't really great statistics to point one way or the other but they're they're operating so much better when baker has the clean rollout that's for sure based off play action and so if they slow that down a little bit i don't see it going the browns way so obviously i'm much higher on the browns this year than you are but i will say this if washington wins this game 
and the Cowboys get smacked by Seattle, just watch out for that Mike interview next week. <laughs> just watch out. That's um, all I'm going to say. I don't see them. What's your definition of smacked? I mean, like. A loss? Because I, I, I see I mean, that like, happening. I mean, like, I mean, like I if don't. the Cowboys lose on, like, the last drive or their one possession, no. But, like, if the Cowboys lose by multiple possessions and just do not look inspired, just watch out for me. Week see, I just uh, – I'm three. also picking Seattle, but I don't see that <laughs> happening. So, but regardless. Surprised we didn't give either of us that game. I think we just wanted to not have Mike have a heart attack this week. <laughs> anyway. Mike's our most talked about listener, but that's okay. He's our Cowboys correspondent. We lost a lot of other correspondents, so we're looking for new ones. That's okay. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Picks, so, man. just to recap, Josh went Pats at home against the Raiders. He went the Chargers at home and Justin Herbert's second straight start of his career against the Panthers. And then he's picking the upset of Washington heading into Cleveland over the Browns. It made me feel really good when you listen to your fantasy guys. Mm-hmm. That all sit in the living room and, and listen to. And one of them said this was an upset game, too, wasn't it? It did, yes. And it could be, like I said, I'm, I like rooting for Washington. You know what I mean? I love Ron Rivera. Oh, the one I reason I also, you know I, mean? I, I feel like I, sorry to cut you off, a big <laughs> proponent of this game. Like I talked about how I feel like you beat the Browns, but this also came down to a really big coaching decision for me. And Fair. I feel like I will trust Ron Rivera. Over Kevin Stefanski yeah, right you, now. If you gave him a, if you gave him that choice, I would absolutely pick Ron. And that Rivera, was a so. that was a kind of a swaying point for yeah, me. Fair enough. It should be fun. All right, so let's head into our fantasy fanatics segment. We had a tough week last week in simultaneous catch fantasy football. We lost by sixty points. Ouch! But we were the second highest scoring team, so it was really just the team we played played every great player you can imagine. And we had multiple injuries. So right now the lineup's looking Russell Wilson, Juju Smith-Schuster, David Johnson, Mike Davis, Mo Alley-Cox, and Brandon Cooks. We did make Mo Alley-Cox. We did make the LaVisca Chenault play on Thursday night, which was my mistake. He only scored six points. Uh, He was involved in the offense. It's just not as much as I thought he was going to be. Uh, Right now that's our lineup with Kittle being out. We're definitely going with Cox at tight end. Uh, other options on our bench still. We didn't play DJ Chark because he was out. Another reason why we went with the Chenault play. Uh, Ronald Jones still on our bench. Obviously Kittle out. We still have Deontay Johnson, KJ Hamler, and then McCaffrey, of course, is on our IR spot. I feel like our lineup is pretty good. I don't know if you want to wiggle it around a little bit, but certainly the couple of injuries are forcing our hand. With yeah, it is certainly tough. And uh, to lose a player like Sutton, who's another player that we talked about. That's true. Yes, we Sutton was a fifth-round pick for us, so we had to just drop out right. So that, that stinks. But I'm just going to say – I'm, I'm being playful here. I'm not really. Okay. But if Hamler balls out, which is who I wanted in the flex. So you want to play Hamler upset. over Brandon Cooks? No. isn't. I thought Chenault was in the flex. Well, so, that was who you so were whenever, like, yeah, like whenever, whenever or Chenault. I was whenever like, you, I want Hamler. You're like, I want Chenault. I was like, a, let's do you. This is a little mini hack for people playing fantasy football. Whenever you're playing the Thursday night play, always make sure you play the Thursday night player in a starting spot, whether it's wide receiver or running back, instead of the flex. Because then if you have an injury over the weekend, it's easier to pivot when you can do oh. pivot to another receiver or running back. You know what I mean? Well, look at you. So that's just like a little bit of a hack. Um, <laughs> but are you really that high on Hamler? Because I will play Hamler over Cooks if you're that high. Like if you believe that, I will absolutely make the switch right now on the show. Um. Well, that wasn't 
what I was saying. I know, it was between Chanel and Hamler, I know. But I am pretty high on Hamler. I feel like he was a rookie. Right, well, that... here's what we'll do. We'll put Hamler there right now. If we uh, if we make a decision and change it, we will. But right now, because you convinced me with that, how fiery you were about that. I just feel like he was a player that didn't get a whole lot of practice with this. Yes, you, man. He wasn't even a guy that was expected to play that much in week two. And he He came in, got seven targets, targets, caught three, which is Mm -hmm. not a great catch rate. But he still saw seven targets. Yeah, and that's what's important. And that's before before Sutton left, before Judy left. Because Judy also is questionable. Oh, dang. Okay, so... Obviously, Adam has mocked me because I'm not picking guys that no one's heard of. Sorry. What do you mean nobody's heard of? Yeah, like I'm picking like actual people that I just see having a good game. It's, not like, fine. it's not like I'm like, Lamar Jackson. It's fine. I changed course this week anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah, you are a pretty solid 0-2 if this was a game. Yep. Scotty Miller oh, no, it is saw a game. three targets. It's always a game with us. <laughs> Caught two for 11 yards. Yeah, so that's a great percentage. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than KJ Hamler. So, so who is your fantasy fanatic this week? This is I, – I feel like I found – I split the difference between the two of us, okay? So I feel I, like you're not giving me any credit. I went with somebody who was <laughs> a high draft pick, but somebody who people have lost a lot of confidence in. I'm okay. going with Kenyon Drake. Okay. The Arizona Cardinals this I week. I like that. So, like I said, a lot I've of certainly lost a faith lot in. of people have lost a lot of faith, and they're thinking about trading him. They're thinking about so. Literally, I was listening to the mailbag on the show, and some people were really stupid with fantasy football. They're like, "Should I cut Kenyon Drake?" And I'm like, "Calm down." Uh, they do play the Detroit Lions, who've given up a lot, the second most fantasy points to uh, opposing fantasy running backs in the first two weeks, and. The other thing that I feel I like have, that's always like really unfair and well, especially week two, in though, two weeks in. yeah I, know. I mean like Aaron Jones I mean <laughs> I know I know I feel like they actually weren't that bad against but, Detroit but I also expected right. a big game from Drake but regardless the thing that I'm not worried about and the thing that you can always trust with fantasy players is because this is the thing about fantasy you want to mitigate as much risk as possible in order to have the best output. Uh, because people are going to be riskier than you, and they're going to make plays like we did with LaVisca Chenault, which was a riskier play. I mean, I wasn't pushing for it until we saw that Chark was out, and I was like, well, he got yeah. we, you know what I mean? Yeah. But regardless, like that was a riskier play, and it didn't work for us. But Kenyon Drake has over 15 touches in the first two games, and in the first game he had 20 to 25, I think. But like he's getting the touches, he's getting the work. Washington's a Washington is a is a very good run defense, so they slowed him down. And the San Francisco 49ers were the best defense in football last year. And this is week one before they lost their injuries, and it was Kyler who had to beat them. So everybody, pump the brakes on Drake. Drake is going to be a top five fantasy running back this week. I hope so because I have him all over the place and. I seriously can. I tried to. I've tried to buy low on him in a lot of leagues. It's just some people are holding on tight. All right, so I'm gonna continue being my lame self, and I'm okay with that. I'm going with CD Lamb. I feel like he has See, that's shown a good one. such a good rapport with Dak thus far. I think that one's better than your first two, because CD Lamb's somebody who's rostered but isn't like a like Mike Evans was being started in over eighty percent of leagues last week. You know what I mean? That's why I was like, oh come on. But, he also had, like, two catches week one, though. Right. Well, I was happier about that one than week one when you were like, Josh Jacobs. It was like a top ten pick in most leagues. He was a second-round pick <laughs> in most leagues. I'm going I'm just, I'm talent just, I'm versus just having, I'm just having defense. fun. I'm just no. having fun poking No. 
So CD Lamb, I'm just, <laughs> I'm really this Seattle's defense has yeah. not shown well against wide receivers. Sure. And I feel like he's shown a great rapport with Dak. Uh, in some ways, I feel like I could argue with a Cowboy fan about him being not the best wide receiver on the the roster. I don't think that, but I feel like thus far, the best rapport with Dak. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I mean, he's, yeah, he's connected with sure. Cooper a handful of times, but I just yeah. feel like in those moments. I mean, who was the one that converted the gigantic play mm-hmm. uh, after they got the ball back after the onside kick? He didn't go for his trusty wide receiver and Cooper. He yeah. went to to the rookie. And so I just feel like this is going to be a really good game for Lamb. Yeah, I love that pick. Like I said, that's that one's – I like it better than the first couple ones that you did. But, I again, like that's a good pick because it's somebody who people will be sitting thinking, do I flex Lamb over this person this week? And I feel like – more often than not, the answer to that will be yes, because I think he is a great player this week. We saw how he struggled against. We saw how the Seattle defense struggled against a wide receiver two in week one of Calvin Ridley, who put up two touchdowns, and then we saw, you know, last week. Not only did Julian Edelman have a career, literal career day against Seattle's defense, Demir Bird came out of nowhere and had almost a hundred yards too. So that's Harry a great played pick. real well too. And Nikhil Harry had solid too. So that was that's a good pick. I like that. Thanks for your support. All right. Uh, do you want to do a couple tidbits before Friends Fortune? I don't have any tidbits. I, feel I like actually, I've worked my tidbits in. The I show, actually so. didn't. I actually didn't this week, which is surprising because we didn't really talk about a Philly. But I wanted to point out Philly real quick uh, and the struggling of Carson Wentz. So say you've thrown out a couple times like a win must win in week two. I feel like this is a must win in week for three them. for them. So Carson Wentz leads the link in off-target throws. Of 20. Now, a lot of people say it's offensive line issues. Pro Football Focus rates their offensive line number 12 in the NFL, and 15 of those 20 off target throws were from a clean pocket where there was no pressure. Oh, dang. So the the next two on that list are Mitchell Trubisky's thrown 18 off target throws, but more than half of his are from under duress. And, and there are some certain Dwayne Cowboy Haskins fans right now that are saying that you think he's better than Dak. Oh, I didn't say that. What? You've never said that Carson Wentz is oh, better no, than Dak. Oh, no, I have always said that. Yeah, so I'm there are that. some Cowboys fans right now that are being like, "Why? Oh, how can oh. you say that? Listen, right now, Dak is better than, <laughs> than Carson Wentz. I, I was just say saying that, that to, I could say that. to poke at you. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out, you talked about that. This makes more sense now. You talked about the Saints defense. 40 straight games, not over 100 yards. So Josh Jacobs had 21 carries for 68 yards with eight minutes less in the fourth quarter. And I remember I pointed this out to you. 40 of those yards were after contact. So the Saints defense was getting into the backfield on every play. And it's just Josh Jacobs is making guys miss and breaking tackles. So over, I mean, what is this? This is 40 yards out of the 68 that he had with eight minutes left because I don't know how he ended. I had to go to work. Okay. But... That's like that's, that, uh, that's Richard like Richard vampired a, like uh, almost, a touchdown from him. It's like seventy five percent of his yardage was after he was taking contact. So that's pretty impressive. And then I got to my tidbit about the four hundred and forty and O Wolf. Uh, I also wanted to point out that Buffalo obviously beat these two teams. Oh wait, and the other thing about Carson Wentz, real quick. So uh, since the second quarter of Week One, because they led seventeen O against Washington, since then they have. Gone, wait, what is this? Oh, two touchdown drives in 21. <laughs> They've had 21 drives since they were up 17, nothing against Washington. Okay. They've only scored twice. Yikes. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to say about Buffalo, we talked about soft schedule to start. Their next four opponents are a combined 8-0. So we're going to learn 
a ton about this team in fun. the coming weeks, for sure. All right. All right. I'll walk away for Friends Fortune. Friends Fortune? You have 45 seconds. I have 45 seconds? Yeah. When does it start when you get now. in? Okay, so I have 45 seconds right now. So I'm going to take up all the time. No. Friends Fortune, week two. So we're really close. And I still want to be bold, but I don't want to um, be silly with it. <laughs> but uh, we talked about so many great matchups happening in week three. Uh, we talked about 11 teams being 2-0. and So there's also a lot of teams who aren't doing so hot. But we're going to take a trip. And we're going to go to the Texans versus the Steelers. I talked about I just can't imagine... The Texans going down the way they have, and this vaunted Steeler defense is pretty scary. Uh, but I don't, you know, the Steelers are 2-0, and they've played pretty well, but I don't think that they played their best. So we're going to Sean Watson lighting up the Steelers defense with four or, or, or with four or more total touchdowns in this game in a victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah. Less than 45 seconds. Super proud of you. All right. So then I'm going to take a step out, and Josh is going to take over. All right. Don't look at my friend's fortune on my notepad. All right. So. Ow. Oh, Pat, I'm got hurt. So I'm going to uh, the Sunday night football game. Seems to be my thing to talk about the primetime games. That's all right. So talking about... I mentioned that Rodgers has over 606 and zero interceptions when he talked about the Josh Allen thing. They've scored over 40 points in their first two games, uh, so that's really, really exciting. Devontae Adams being out might hurt this, so I, I tweaked this one a little bit. I do not think they're going to score 40 points this week. I'm going to project between 35 and 38 points scored for the Packers this week. That's it. All right. Oh, yeah, Adam has, like, a really messed up toe right now. It's because I can't afford health insurance, so I can't go Although there. you got a letter saying that you had health insurance. I called them. They just haven't called me back. So, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, good episode. Uh, make sure you follow us, like us on Facebook. Right now it's our only avenue of social media. And uh, we've gotten a couple more likes, but we're, I'm going to do some more posts during the week. And yeah, because we're going to have a real fun video of Adam getting an egg smashed on his head <laughs> soon. So you're going to want to make sure you go to that because Adam bet me when the Jags were down by three possessions with like a quarter to go that the Jags would win. And we had an egg bet, which is a big thing on our show. I was pretty confident in that. So he lost the egg bet. So we will share that with you guys soon. The egg bet. <laughs> that's our thing, egg But bets. I'll win the Browns bet, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, make sure you like us on Facebook. We're going to be post. I'm going to try to be posting more stuff and uh, some possible fun things coming up with the horizon. And uh, anything else you want to say? I am good. Everybody, enjoy week three. Thanks so much for sticking with us throughout this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, like Adam said. Subscribe, talk to us. We like when people talk to us. Yeah, it's absolutely. fun. Yeah. So enjoy week three, everybody. God bless.